condemns. Um, I love that what Jesus starts and finishes, and he started that. He did that. Um, that was six days of Christ. Um, Oh, yes, thank you. Perfect segue. Karis, I wanted to say publicly that when you shared the testimony Saturday night and then hosted the collage, the pathetic collage thing, if you guys went on the wedding um, retreat, whatever it was, and, and we can talk more about that later because I've, I've got a lot to say tonight. Um, shopping, if anyone knows this. But I am going to do that again tonight. Um, sorry. So we did the prophetic collage thing, and every kid was like just blown away by it. And Karis Span ministered in the anointing of Christ Jesus in those two sessions. That one, we all three just kind of shared stuff about our lives, and then their marriage, and then you know, Sunday morning was her show with you know doing that with the collage stuff. And she was in the anointing. And, and I, I knew you were built like that. I knew, but I, again, I was shocked. Like, I mean, she would say sentences and I was so cut. I mean, she's describing like picture stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And it like hurt so good, you know? And, and anyways, and I just wanted to publicly say that about you. If you were in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm serious. I'm serious. Um, and again, it was shocking. Not that I didn't believe that you were in God like that, but I mean, it, it blew me away, really. Um, is this super loud? Should I not? Nope. Maybe it's just We're recording. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's it from the trip. It was just spectacular, spectacular. Um, now I felt like I had two or three kind of prophetic things for you guys and for this area. Um, and first I'll share a vision I had in the shower like an hour ago, whenever we finished doing stuff. But I saw the Ezekiel 1, and it's really complex. I really don't even understand, but it's like the wheel inside of a wheel um, vision. And I saw um, then like, the earth spinning really fast for a while it was revolving around the sun, if you can just imagine that. And later in that Ezekiel 1 prophecy, it says that um, wherever the spirit leads it, that's where the wheel goes because it's the spirit that controls the wheel. And I, it, I know that this is so detailed in the specific scripture, you know, it's like a living creature and all that, like the four living creatures. But what the verse says in Ezekiel 1 is it's like, um, it's like the spirit of the living creature is what turns the wheel inside of it. And I just saw us, and really the, what I thought the Lord showed me today is or in the music time is that this is David. I saw this is you, of the, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the three living creatures spinning you very quickly, like RPMs is what I saw. But you were just revolving around the sun as the Holy Spirit was the wheel inside of your wheel spinning you. And really, I don't even understand that, but I knew that I needed to share that. Um, really? Wow. There's two 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 Zeke parents in the house. Those Paul Hartsons and McCray both have an Ezekiel. Yeah, super neat. And really, the, the scripture back to Tessa, um, the, 
basically the only experience I've ever had with the like full body tingling and shaking and paralysis stuff. I was actually listening to it. I, I was listening to the Bible in my bedroom one day. I was listening to Ezekiel one. And, and exactly where all of this is. So when Tessa came up, I told her that experience. I was like, I, September of 2019, I was listening to Ezekiel 1 in my bedroom. And then the next thing I knew, I'd been shaking on the floor for an hour. And I was in a pool of drool and had no clue what happened. Um, anyways. So Ezekiel 1. And I told Tessa that, and she's just gone now. Um, what was the other word? Oh, okay. So... Tonight in the message, and don't think I'm transitioning into the message, I've got like three more prophetic things before I even get into the teaching I feel like to do. So that, that was not my segue. That was just bullet point number two of words that happened in the meeting. Um, as we saw, there is such an emphasis on the children that Jesus was like, let the children come to me. And, and certainly those of child like heart, but I believe like little kids. And it talks about him that he went up to all the children and the babies and that he laid his hands on them and blessed them. And so anyways, I felt strongly about this area um, spiritually, but kids in this area, secondarily, of this bullying spirit. And I feel like this has been so much of what he's gone through. It's been the spirit that's bullying him. And I saw it choking him out. And there's a, uh, this is what I believe, that that bullying prince is misquoting the scripture of, in, you know, the parable of the seed in the summer, that it's like, you know, that the thorns, they choke out the growth. And, and there's such a place to study that and to be individually examining that. Um, one of the guys that's, um, well, one of the guys that's really special in my life um, has been discipling. He's like, go back and read the parable of the seed in the summer once a month. So, anyways. But I thought the Lord showed me that this bullying prince has been misquoting on scripture to people. That they've been thinking they've been at war with flesh and blood. Of calling it like, oh, well, what's choking out the ground is a flesh thing. And the flesh thing does do that, certainly. But I feel like it's this bullying, mocking thing. And that it's misquoting the scripture. And I saw it choking the life out of kids. I saw kids in their elementary schools physically getting choked out. And I've just seen that happen to the closest person in my life other than my mother and my fiance. I did get engaged now. Um, but yes, very glorious. The glory. It was all about the glory. Anyways, and I've just seen it. I've seen it ease off and then choke again. And I felt it here. I felt it at the beginning of the meeting. And I just remember this like self-defense move that I thought was just so neat. Um, has anyone ever heard of the self-defense move named The Scene? Anybody? Yeah. Yes, that's what, yes, I, could, I knew it was from the movie, I couldn't remember. But it's when, when you're getting chucked out that it's an acronym, Scene. Stomach, instep, nose, groin. Scene. And tonight, I feel like Jesus said that he wanted us to pull the same maneuver out. And lastly, we're going to hit them where it counts. I believe that. And even as that area in nature speaks about reproduction in children, I believe it firmly. I believe that there is such a way for us to step into the Holy Spirit to sing these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I mean, I, I got the word. I wish I could remember what song. It was right as one song ended, 
Um, oh man. But anyways, there was second. I feel like God showed me in these four days that I'm about to be at the spam house. God showed me that He's like, if you want to intercede for them, give them the same method. Get in that front guest room and sing. Just sing to Jesus for them. And whatever. However that's going to look over the next four days, I'm going to be doing that. Facts. And I believe that that is such a way that we can sing that bullying spirit off of this place. And I believe that at some point, and if Jesus is striking the chord in your heart, I believe there's a place for us to intercede for the elementary schools tonight. For their Because, I mean, he said in Psalm 8, out of the mouths of nursing infants and babies, you have ordained strength. This is available for the little man back there. This is all for him. Dude, I don't even know your name, but this is literally for you tonight. I mean it. I mean, we, there was a time at the, the thing we were at this weekend that the Holy Spirit prompted us to pray over the five-month-old that was there. I mean, it was for real. But anyways, the singing method. I saw us doing the singing method. And in healing the kids. And I can't remember there, there was at least one other thing. Okay. Bob Moore. Okay. I I felt like the Lord gave me the acronym of BMI right when I walked and I didn't even know you were here yet. BMI. Um, and I'm not talking about body mass index. I'm talking about the Bob Moore increase. I believe, I believe that God is going to give Bob Moore an increase tonight. Um, and even mass, weight, the weight of his glory. I'm, I'm praying Ezekiel 1 you right now that, that right at the proper year, the proper time that Ezekiel saw the visions of God, he understood what it meant to interact with the living creatures and the, the wheel inside the wheel, all the just ridiculous words that he got. And I believe that he understood that the angel that was showing him these things all throughout the book of Ezekiel, this is so repeated. Do you, son of man, do you understand this over and over and over and over again? You are going to be a man of great understanding of his glory and prophetic revelation. So may you receive the Bob Moore increase, and may we all receive the portion of that too, because he's no respecter of persons. That Bob is so individually special to God, and him having this revelation is so individually intimate for them. But this is for everybody. This is for everybody. I'm, I'm even feeling right now, man, for you to, when you really feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, please be bold to go lay your hands on people and pray for them in these services, but just in life. I feel like there's so much more for you to give. And even probably times that you knew that it was like right to give, but just chose to not do it. And I just feel like that's some marching orders for you, man. Um, I think that's it. And then the teaching. Um, I also never, ever write notes when I teach or preach. I mean, this may be the second time I've ever done it in these six years with him. Um, but I just knew that I wasn't going to remember all of these scriptures because they're all over the place. Um, I mean, I wrote down 12 scriptures, so there was no way I was going to remember all that. Um, but the key verse for tonight, and we don't have to turn there, I'll just quote it verbatim. The key note verse that we're going to continually come back to is Matthew 24, verse 28. And it says, um, where the carcass is, 
there the eagles will be also. Jesus was speaking about the end times and you know what what's it going to be like at your your coming, your revelation. Um, and that he just gave this amazing teaching on that and concluded the teaching of his second coming with where the carcass is, the eagles will be also. And I see this as a twofold thing. Um, I mean, literally, we're enveloped by Asbury eagles. Um, and that even the, the heartbeat of what this is is to, to be an eagle with incredible vision and um and Ezekiel has an amazing, amazing word about eagles. Ezekiel 17 with multicolored feathers and all this stuff. Anyways, um, a peacock eagle, I guess. But uh, Jesus can just do that. He can make a peacock eagle. Um, anyways, for us to be eagles that are coming to Jesus' carcass, to, to take in his death and resurrection, but also for us being these dead and gone, empty vessels that these children, to connect the point earlier, that these children who God is raising up to be eagles will come and feast from our own dead bodies and lives that are just dead to everything else so that we may be alive to God. Um, So firstly, um, there were... There were four points about promises for us being eagles that come to take in Jesus's carcass, his death and life. And that, you know, at first it's like, that's kind of a bold thing to say about the Lord is to call his dead body a carcass. I mean, he literally became a dead animal for us. And that the more we get to see the violence and ruthlessness of his death and torture, not only the more that will love him, he that has been forgiven much, is thankful much, but then we see the opposite, that if he would do all of that for the bad stuff, that he became entirely the curse, so that we may become entirely the blessing. So the deeper we see that the curse goes, the deeper we can see the blessing goes, too. Um, so anyways, there were four promises for us as being eagles that are taking in Jesus' life and death. Just like John 6 says, that you, know, you eat my skin, and drink my blood. It, the work isn't just like how in the old covenant the priest just walk around and just sprinkle the blood on people's outside. This is like this is the covenant that goes in you and really never comes out, um, but just keeps growing. Um, so, anyways, the first one will go to Psalm one hundred three for the the promise for eagles in this psalm. I'm sorry if my armpits begin to gradually change color. I'm just going to sweat noticeably this evening. Oh, sweet. I remember the fourth one, the fourth prophetic word, but I'll do it later. Help me remember, bro. It's a tissue box. Help me remember that. Psalm 103, a promise for us being eagles that take in Jesus. We can read verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forgive not all your benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, 
who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, man. In my journal, there's a script. My mom bought this awesome journal. It's a scripture at the top of every page. And a couple of pages ago, it was that verse. Um, I did that. On the, I wrote that on that page the day I got engaged, actually. This um, Sorry. Processing with the microphone in my hand. But these are remarkable, remarkable blessings transferred to us through taking in Jesus, having all of our iniquity pardoned, every disease healed, and particularly the dis-ease of religion that is, has been the most painful thing I have ever walked in, of just not being at ease with God and continually, you know, stressed out, please, are you going to love me yet, playing with God? That has just ransacked so much of the joy in the secret place and even in public ministry. I mean, dude, I, I can't even describe how many times I lay in bed after I evangelized with somebody or taught a Bible study about it. Dude, I just did not do good enough. And of course, I would never do good enough in my own perception. But it was because I wanted to let Jesus be like, well done, my good and faithful servant, period. Um, and that Jesus was the servant that did good and well, so that even in the times that I don't, his covered mine forever. But I mean, these are just remarkable blessings and the lifestyle of bless the Lord of my soul. I asked the Lord one time in 2019, the same room that the glory light bulb happened. And I was like, what does it even mean for me to bless you? What, what could I bless you with? What does that even mean? And then he, I felt like he spoke to me that morning and he was just like, enjoy what I gave you. That's how you can bless me, is that you just enjoy what I gave you. So that as we look at all of these things, even like the Apostle John said, I just thought of it, that he said, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the light. I feel like God the Father is so like that too. I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the light. Uh, so that is a surefire way we can make him happy. And he said there's no greater joy than this, than to see my children walking in the light. Uh, let's give God the joy that he's looking for and just walking in the light as he is in the light. Uh, and all of these other blessings, redeeming our life from destruction, crowning us with loving kindness and tender mercies, I had a vision of the Lord coming in here and taking that crown off the cross and, and just throwing it on the ground. And there have been so many of us who have tried to put on his crown of thorns and the whole martyr spirit and like, let me see how hard I can make it. And even that points to the, the affliction in the mind. And, you know, the, we all know that Joyce Meyer, Battlefield of the Mind book, booklet. I mean, amen, come on. But it, it is so the battlefield of the mind. Um, and our heart thinks just as much as our brain does. But anyways, I just feel like Jesus is coming here to be like, you see everything that I did and endured with this, all of the trial and just blah controlling your brain, just spiking it 
And that's what I'm believing for, for us to not exist with the crown of thorns. If he wore the crown of thorns for us to say that we needed to wear it, it would be that he didn't wear it good enough. And I'm not putting that on him. But this is the crown that we get because he got that and through his death, spiked it on the ground. Done. A mind that's just pierced and poked and annoyed all the time. Gone. Spiked. Touchdown. And now gives us the crown of loving kindness and tender mercies. There are probably not very many people here or on earth that are wearing the crown of loving kindness and tender mercies yet. But we just have to take off the martyr spirit crown of thorns and, and even like somehow delighting in the crown of thorns. Like delighting in like, oh, this is like my trial. This is my anxiety. You can't take ownership of that. I, I formally disconnect, and for anyone here that has said my depression, I loosen you from that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus became depression for you. So that is not yours anymore. End. Period. I'm not even going to mention it again. So these things are incredibly significant things that now, as we're continually taking in Jesus, that now become who we are. These qualities and increasing as Peter wrote. The next was in Job 39, 27. And I love these passages in Job here at the end when God is just flexing his God muscles. Job 39, 27. And it says, does the eagle mount up at your command and make its nest on high? In other words, he's he giving all of these examples in Job 39 through 41, all of these examples of just things about life and things in nature. Are they obeying you? And the answer to the rhetorical question is absolutely not. Like, we're not telling eagles to go make their nest and like, Hey, be sure you do that. Take care of yourself, evil. Like, they're just doing it. And I feel like in the same way, through us taking in Jesus and experiencing him inwardly, that is releasing us from feeling like we've got to tell all these people what to do all the time. Especially in a ministry setting. That we don't have to run around and tell all these eagles, uh, be sure that you um, build your nest. And th this is our four-step discipleship program. Um, uh, and I just immediately was about to start making campus ministry jokes. And I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit didn't let me do that. Because I'm serious. I, I can't do that anymore. Even though I got really hurt through my years in campus ministry of just getting plowed with stressed out religion and statistical performance, I refused. I refused to say anything evil about them. So thank you, God. But at the same time, this as we're taking in Jesus, uh, He's, he's ending our nervous system, our system of ministering to people that's so nervous. Uh, like, you gotta like hurry up and like produce fruit, and like if you're not fruitful, somehow it comes back on me. That's just what I see this verse mentioning. Uh, we're taking in Jesus, 
And that we used to be like, it's God that gives the growth. Paul and Paulos have a part to play in watering and planting and everything, intercession. But it was God that brought the growth. Therefore, Paul and Apollos are nothing. Only God that gave the increase. And Paul and I was talking about him and Apollos in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 after that. But we apostles were put in place last, appointed for death. Anyways, I just really enjoyed that. They really, it wasn't just a fake humility. Oh, it was all Jesus, guys. And that, that part is just like, come on, tell me how much ministry I did. Look at that world. Look at the fruit of my labor. But that Paul and Paulos were done for, gone so. And that that's why the church of Corinth blew up like it did. Because they were men that were game over. And that Jesus could really be a great builder. Unless the Lord buildeth the house, those that labor, labor in vanity. Unless the Lord watches in the watchtower, those that watch labor for no reason. So amen to us receiving that as we take in Jesus. It's not up to us to make Jesus happen in people. That we may have a role, but it's pretty small. And I have, I learned that lesson like no other time in my life than there with those kids of like just them ministering to each other the strongest prophetic words they received the whole time didn't even for some of them didn't even come from our mouths and like Sean this kid who's like stiff arm of God and just went on retreat because his parents made him I mean this girl came up put his put her hand on him and read a scripture and went back and he was ruined and I mean is real now, you know? And it's like that Paul and Apollos were just there. We just were watching this, you know? Anyways, so that came to mind about the Job 39 people. Next, um, another benefit from us taking in Jesus, being eagles that are eating from his carcass, is in Revelation 12. Beautiful, marvelous chapter of Bible. Just for the sake of time, dude, there's literally no way I've been talking for 30 minutes on 40 minutes. Wow. So for the sake of that, I'm not going to do an expository. Shout out to my seminary guys. Seminary word of the day, expository. Um, search in this. I'm just going to read the verse. A lot of us know it, but the woman, I believe, to a degree represents the church, what the Lord will give the church. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. This is verse 14, I can't remember if I mentioned that. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she may fly into the wilderness to her place where she's nourished for a time and times and half a time in the presence of the serpent. So just like it mentioned in Psalm 103, um, of him restoring us from destruction, protecting us from the evil one, that as we're taking in Jesus more, this is such a different way of understanding spiritual warfare than previously, of like, well, let me be sure I uh, got my sword out, let me be sure that I prayed in tongues for this long, and like, all that stuff. But what if it was like the more that I feast on Jesus and drink with him, 
that this is just what he does. He gives his woman, the church, two wings like a great eagle to flee from the presence of the serpent. And that is so available for us, for us to, to just come away and soar into the wilderness with him and be nourished. And it says in her place that this is the place that Jesus prepared for us, like John 14 mentions, that I've gone away to prepare a place for you. And if that were not the case, I wouldn't have told you that. But I told you I'm leaving to prepare this place of entire refuge and deliverance for you. And that really happened because I said it, and I always do what I say, forever. So therefore, he went and made and prepared this place of rest, separation, and nourishment for us. And it appears, at least, the woman did not have these eagles, these eagles' wings before this. They were just given to her spontaneously. Like, I don't know if anybody's seen the X-Men movie with the um, the one that, that has wings and stuff that he can share. Huh? The Arctic, yes, yeah, but it just, it can just flex and out of its traps from these massive wings. That is not the case here. X-Man, all that X-Man. Like, you cannot flex really hard to make eagles wings come out of that. These are gifts from God that he gives to his woman, the church, of just sovereign, I'm just going to sweep you away from the presence of the serpent, and, and I'm praying that for you, dude. The serpent is going to come out I see the tongue of the lion spirit. That, that kid's here, and God is going to give that man who will be the woman, the bride of Christ, he's going to give that child an eagle's wings to the And just when, when the tongue of that lion says, and there, he's just going to fly away. That's going to happen to him. Anyways, so these are things just given to us by eating Jesus' skin and drinking Jesus' blood. You just get spontaneous, miraculous. Deliverance from the presence of the serpent. That, that voice all in it, right? Just at the beginning of you talking, we sat here Really? Wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Come on, brother. Wow. Amen. Now, this fourth and final promise that I wanted to review quickly about us taking in Jesus. It's really two passages, um, but they're the same thing. And I don't know if anybody here's writing stuff down. I know that we just do this retreat that we were at. I mean, they, those kids had that journal out and they was, I mean, like if you said a scripture read it too fast, they'd raise people like, what was that? And they, they had to write it down. Because they were just so hungry, they wanted to know so much. They wanted to study on their own so much. Um, Anyways, so I guess I'm still probably in that mode of like moving really slow and like, okay, like everybody has to drop this in the Anyways, they were really awesome. But the scriptures are Exodus 19 4 and Isaiah 40 31. And basically, I'm just going to summarize those real quick because I want to keep everybody's time in mind. Um, and now this is the halfway point. Um, but that there are promises that God is just going to lift his people on wings like eagles. Like the Isaiah 40 passage, um, that they, they're going to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. That is such a picture of the relationship with Christ Jesus. To run the race with him and never get tired. To walk the walk of faith and not grow weary. 
ever, ever. And he's the only one that can do that. Every car runs out of gas, or if it's a Tesla, it runs out of the wall power. But the, this, this car doesn't need a fuel up. Um, he, he's just a spring of life, life and refreshment, just as like uncontrollably bubbling out of him. And so if we need gas, we're going to have to find a gas station. But if he's the living water just inside of our belly, that's just continually bubbling up all the time, we're just going to run and never get tired and walk and not want to give up. Anyways, that covered it appropriately, I think. And that Exodus 19 passage just says the same thing just about the Exodus itself. The Pharaoh observed you, and I gave you eagle's wings, and you got in there. Um, anyways, so those are our promises and benefits from taking in the Lord Jesus. And now, through what he gave us via his death and resurrection, now I want to teach on these four points of what we're giving to these eagles who are going to come into Christ through our own death, through us becoming a carcass. Uh, which, that's what Jesus said, this is, that I have read, this is the only teaching that he gave that was in all four Gospels. I, I think maybe one of the stories about the loaves, the 4,000 with seven loaves, that may be all four of them. And obviously the overall story of like the generalized themes are covered. But in all four Gospels, this exact word, and in fact in the book of Luke, it says it twice. So this exact phrase is used five times between the four Gospels. And it says, those that seek to save their life, lose it. But those that lose their life for my sake, find it. And so this is actually... To be simple about it, that even is what the gospel is. You're repenting from the life of self-control, if I can word it that way, being the controller of myself, the determiner of my unrighteousness, and just living it for me, whether in religion or any other way. And that it's I'm trading myself, my being, in every portion of it to you. And that those that really do that, those are the ones that get life and get more abundantly. Um, like it says in the Psalms, those that hasten and those that chase after another God have their sorrows multiplied. And particularly the God of self, the God of our own belly, that if we chase that God, sorrow multiplying is rapid. Anyways, that does not have to be the case. And now through our invitation, of Jesus giving us permission to die. Dude, I thought about that so much. I'm not like, here, try to hold on, try your hardest to be an anointed minister, try your hardest to be an obedient Christian. And he's like, I'm really not going to give up that way that I can respect you. Because even what Jesus did in his resurrection, I mean, he did some wild stuff in his lifetime, but he didn't do anything greater than what he did in his resurrection of purchasing salvation for everyone ever. Anyways, so this is what happens through our death and resurrection and the eagles who will come to eat from us. And when I use that terminology as eagles, that leads me into my first point in John 2, classic last day passage. 
I can't tell you how many times I've been in a charismatic or Pentecostal environment, and they're, I mean, this is the bread and butter. I mean, this is tattooed on the face of the guy, you know, which is just, it's so good. Oh, jeez, I don't know how much all this. Oh, perfect. so much and cannot believe how huge the boys are. I mean, it's been a year since I've seen it, or six months since I've seen it, but just amazing. I love them. And you guys. So Joel 2.28, this is why I'm referring to these eagles, which I think now I will interchangeably be using children and eagles because of this. Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass afterward, after this beautiful day of the Lord, teaching from the 27 verses before, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The kids, the little kids, shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And we're not going to stay here that long. But this is the promise of these people who hear these little kids. I mean, certainly those that become like a little child, but I mean the real kids. That when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh and they really come into Christ, that there's going to be sons and daughters that prophesy. But they're just going to speak the word of God like eagles. They're going to see God clearly with crystal clear vision, even if it was from a distance for a while that they're going to see him clearly. They're going to see him as he really is and therefore become like him too, like John promised in 1 John 3. They're going to see the real living God, the authentic Jesus, unmediated experience, like getting slaughtered in their bedrooms and bathrooms and at the altar when nobody's laying hands on them and there's no music praying. They're just going to meet and see God and it will be game over. And I'm praying that even for the kids that are here. Um, I mean, please. It was just irreplaceable. I, I know that, that there were so many different people and the prayers of different people, whether they, you know, even when we pray generalized prayers, like, Lord, we just pray over this entire region for people who have a revelation of Jesus. I mean, that morning that I met him in the shadow was a fruit of even people like that, you know, just the, the, People that just pray this big, generalized prayers. I pray for all of this county, you know. And I mean, I, I saw God in the shower six years and a month ago. And it's it's just been game over. Like, I, I, how can I do anything else now? Um, anyways, and that, that and you know, that people my age, are, you know, little pockets of that are coming up. But I believe that the Holy Spirit, like this says, is going to be poured out on all flesh. And in particular, before it talks about the old men and even the young men, it talks about the children first before them. I believe that this is so about the children. I, I believe there's such, and we're going to discover such an anointed way to minister to children, not just you know give them a good story or you know clap their hands to you know memorize Psalm 100. That's the only thing I remember from my six years in children's ministry, Psalm 100. 
not even a song that we memorized it to. But I believe for such a God blueprint in how to appropriately minister to them. And that they they are here to prophesy. The children are going to prophesy. We just watched. I mean, the, the oldest kid there was 17, oldest. And I mean, they were just prophesying like crazy in the authority. I mean, they just what they didn't even know any different than to be bold. You know what I mean? Like, and I wish I could revert to some of that. I'm like, I just can't help myself to be bold. Not you know, mean and dumb and all that, but like bold. Anyways, so that's the first promise, is that these eagles that will come to us and eat our dead carcasses will be those that prophesy. Eagle prophesiers, I guess to me. Prophesy, and now and that just should be prophecy. But you just make up words when you talk on microphone for long enough, I guess. So that's the promise of what they will be. They're just going to prophesy. Their life will prophesy. Their words certainly will. Their life will just be... Uh, prophetic depiction of God. Next, another minor prophet who I love this book so much is in Hosea. This next promise for them eating our dead carcasses. Hosea chapter 8. If anybody got my Bible and flipped through Hosea, the whole thing is different color highlighters everywhere. So. They know I've spent time in Hosea before. Just as I can, I can identify with that so much. Jesus, I really have gotten married to you. You are my husband, and I am your wife. And we are inseparably, intimately one forever. Yet, I am so quick to run off with somebody else and something else with you so often. Sometimes even my own self. Maybe most women. Anyways, the verse that a promise for them is they come to eat from us and eat of us. Because really us dying is just the death of Jesus being expressed all over again. And he said, you ate my skin and drink my blood. And also, if you're Christ, if you belong to him, then your skin and your blood is his anyway. So if they eat of our skin and drink of our blood, then it's, it's Christ anyway if we're really his possession. It's just his again. It's just Christ with your skin on. It's Christ with your words being said. With your vocal cords moving and his words. Anyways, Hosea 8.1. This evening we're setting the trumpet to our mouths for them as the kids. Even the handful of kids that are here. He shall come like an eagle against the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. These kids that God is going to raise up and two years ago, and I'm just going to say the story. Two years ago, um, I was an assistant coach at a public middle school in South Georgia. I'm from middle Georgia. I went to college in South Georgia. And God just pulled off an incredible, miraculous way of being coached in this middle school. Uh, there were 53 kids on the team, and um, and obviously public school, you can't just overtly just mention Jesus. Well, me and my friend Matthew and Hank, we did that anyway, and didn't really care. But and God just had so much favor. Our team was so poor, uh, we went 0-10, so I guess my coaching skills stink. 
although I don't really think that's the case, they just sort of scared me anyway. Um, but all 53 kids on the team and at least two coaches prayed a prayer to receive Christ in the three-month football season. All 53 did. These kids, there was one coincidentally named Matthew, but for some reason his whole family called him Ammon. I guess he had brothers that were, and he did have brothers that were older than him that couldn't say Matthew, and they were all little. So Mammon, it was my joy. I just imprinted on I just couldn't separate myself from him. He, I mean, he would dream regularly of Jesus walking in and through the middle school. Yeah, I mean, he watched Jesus walking circles around the middle school and pointing at different classrooms and calling out different of his classmates' names that he was calling. And I, I was like, man, at 13 years old, I was like, are you okay, man? Like, oh my God. And he was like, yeah, the Lord showed me what classroom he was going to be in. And like, that kind of stuff. Another dream, he saw the whole roof ripped off of the school and his face was just hovering over the school. And some people stood up and raised their hand and chose him. Other people sat with their arms folded. And he was like, those are the, the, the whole school is going to see Jesus in all of us on the football team and accept Christ. And there's just going to be some that take him to and some that don't. And I was like, what are you? Like, are you, are you an angel? Like, I mean, I'm the one alleged Christ and aren't an angel. But anyways, so that these kids, because they're going to get to know God, like Jeremiah 31, you won't have to say to your neighbor, know the Lord. Everybody's going to know the Lord. Not like up here. They're going to, like this, know the Lord. That's what's going to happen. And for these kids, they will have that in a way that I hope, I hope that they will far surpass the way that I know him. I actually hope that that happens. And I want everything from him. I mean, I'm his eternally. We're one, but I want them to get to know it more. I want them to have more encounters. I want them to have a deeper anointing in me. Even little kids. Seriously. But they, they are going to come. They are going to be like these eagles that are coming. In a sense, against the house of the Lord that has been built up on something other than that beautiful new covenant. And against this law of authentic liberty. Not counterfeit liberty. We've seen so much of that. So much of why Christ is chained to counterfeit liberty. And they just keep saying the same hope in a dark time where the Spirit of the Lord is there's liberty phrases. And just like Jesus talked about the Pharisees, they proclaim freedom to one another and they are twice as much as slaves as the people they minister to. However, that these eagles, these kids, they're just going to meet God. They don't know anything else other than abundant life. Because they took in Jesus and just were in abundant life because that's who he is. That they are going to be a walking shame. He is going to use the foolish things, foolish little kids, foolish teenagers that don't even know any different to shame the wise of us. The weak ones, the weak ones to shame the strong. He is going to do that. And, and again, like I believe that this is all a reverting to be a little kid's spiritual mentality for all of us to you know, come and learn from me, says the Lord. But but this is for literally kids. I mean it for little kids, for people in elementary school. That they they're gonna reveal they're enjoying God and existing in him is going to reveal the transgression of believing the beauty of this covenant, like the author of Hebrews, whoever he was. And we're not talking about that tonight. But then he said in Hebrews 2. 
what is going to happen to us if we neglect a salvation as great as this. My friends in here, and even to Wilmore, Kentucky, look at what has happened when we've neglected the salvation that's as great as this. A salvation as hands-off as this. A salvation as agape love from God as this. What's going to happen if we don't receive the salvation that's as great as that? And that's been happening widespread, and that's been happening in my life. But the Lord is raising up these little kids that are going to enjoy them so much that are going to put to shame what we thought the new covenant was, put to shame what we thought adoption was. Anyways, that's who they are. I've got two more, and these are more like marching steps for us, although it's hard to really have marching steps for a dead body. I guess this is just what our dead bodies will be marinated in as these little kids and eagles are coming to eat us. The first one is Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. May we all be marinated in Philippians 2, 3, and 4 as these children come and learn from us and come and eat of us and drink of us. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I believe I mentioned false humility earlier, and that has been probably the primary expression of pride out there is false humility. And it is just nasty, gross, terrible of, oh, just that nature. And there, I pray that even tonight, that just the speaking of the Word of God and us agreeing with and believing the Word of God, that in this area of false humility is just kicked out of the window. I hate it. And I even pray right now, Jesus, for the ministers and commissioned ones in this area of the United States, for you to kick the spirit of false humility out of the window. Because at the end of the day, false humility is just being humble for yourself. It's just being humble because I want the fruit of what a humble life looks like. And I know that this is too complex of an issue. It's literally like, well, don't think about a purple elephant. Don't think about a purple elephant. Oh, dang it. Like, you know, so at the same time, we can't just like, we can't humble our way into humility. It says, going on with verses, let this mind be in you, which was first in Christ Jesus, who had all of the right of being deity, God over everything, and surrendered all of it. So that he learned it not through, let's see how humble I can get. He learned it through how much he surrendered. So may we all just surrender. And not even that here's your five steps to surrender. I don't know. That Jesus didn't give too much to the disciples when he met him. He just said, follow me. 
And the, the expectation was nothing else came with them but themselves and just followed him. So may we learn it from him that way. That to a degree, nothing really left heaven with Jesus other than himself when he came back. And like we can see maybe in the examine in ourselves, I know that I can easily see this in myself and in a larger scale see this around. But through so much toil and even even intercession and discipleship and all of those things, that somehow there's just not been that much fruit. And I know that like even Jesus himself was rejected and abandoned by most of the people that he ever met or ministered to. And that is Jesus, God incarnate, the evangelist, God incarnate, the disciple maker, who almost everyone ever left. So, and he gave us an example too. They let me do, if, if me in the flesh couldn't get him, like, don't be surprised if people aren't really receiving it like that. But however, however, that was just a side note. For us just being like, right, Lord, you really do enjoy the one coming to you. So even if it was one, if all of my life is for one. Anyways, that with this, this scripture and what we're to give to these little kid eagles, the meat for them to eat, is for us not being so stressed out. But none of us in here like to eat a tough piece of meat or a dry piece of meat. Like, it's just, ah, I don't really like that. And we have been so tense, even in trying to minister, trying to Christian in a way that's humble. And that we, we just can't humble. Like God, through our surrender, God is the one who makes us humble. And what, I don't believe there's a minister who can minister this out of us. It's like, oh, they just have a real authority in, you know, making you humble. Like, I don't think that's the case. I think that we come and learn from Jesus and that there is this unraveling and melting and swallowed up in kindness revelation that he gives that it just finishes a person. And then, then we can appropriately minister not even thinking about ourselves, we can appropriately intercede without thinking about self and then have a secret place that's not about self, but like, Lord, I'm going to read the Bible and sing to you and not think about this as my transaction. Now I got something I can say when I'm preaching. Oh, now I did my time in the secret place and he's going to give me the anointing. That when Jesus pulls off the, the swallowed up and kindness, melting and finishing of us, that that's when, as we're totally inside of Christ, and Christ is totally inside of us, that really, yes, it's no longer us that even lives, but Christ that lives within us, but then our life, just the, the phrases that we said that we didn't even feel like God gave a prophetic word, it was just what just came out of our mouth, and just how we lived in the grocery store, and gave people hugs, is your name Joey? The Lord showed me you giving people Jesus hugs, of him, just like you being so inside of the hug of the Father, that when you share the gospel with people and the word with people, they maybe like concluding it with a hug or something, or when you minister to people, you give them a hug, and you just show me you giving people Jesus hugs. 
and that first he wants to hug you so much that you just become a Jesus hug in harmony. Uh, anyway, so with all of that being said, Jesus just wants to hug us up and swallow us into self-forgetfulness. And like I said, we here, stop thinking about yourself. Stop thinking about yourself. That's not how this is going to work. It's not going to be like a carnal tactic that the spiritual things cannot be maneuvered carnally. In the same way, we, we just can't come up with a strategy to get into humility. Jesus, the king of every king, is just going to unveil his majesty to us. And then we'll be like, Isaiah 6, I'm done. I saw the Lord high lifted up, and I am finished now. May we have that. Even if it's not in a vision, it was just in our slowly just walking with him and just being unraveled, slowly unraveled. Sometimes those are the most thorough undoings, or the ones that were just one foot from the other undoings. And this is the last one of what we can just be marinated in to let these kids, to let our kids, or me to let my kids, who I'm so stoked to meet, just messing around with Zion. Yeah, we had to have some. And then just today, all day long, I've been thinking about my children that I will have one day and um, just delighting in Zion and the fun that it is to just listen to her just create a game like on the fly and then change the rules mid-game eight times. Um, and I mean, just, just her innocence and uh, beauty and fascination with the Lord. I mean, even during the the music time, she just came up to me and brought me this little toy. It's kind of like a Rubik's Cube idea. And she was like, and just confused, like, was, anyways. And then I, I gave up my crazy worship time to play with the little kid. Um, and I was like, dude, and I just wanted to see the smile on her face to see the, the little game solved. And I mean, I thought about it. And it was hard, for real. But, but I figured it out. And then and I turned around to hand it to her. And she wasn't even there anymore. She, she was in the back, like, just doing her thing. And I was like, they're just, it's still sitting <laughs> there. But anyways, and, and it just made me think about my kids so much. And I felt like I had an experience, and maybe one day she'll listen to this, um, that in May of last year in Travis's basement, I felt like I had an experience that, I went into the future and met my first child. Um, and anyways, it was just spectacular and ruined me for her. And I learned so much through that. But anyways, um, I'm just thinking, like, what do I even want to give? Like, who, who do I want to be for her and for the other kids that I believe that Gloria and I are going to have? And Gloria, the glory. I mean, yeah. But... Anyways, anyways, what do I want for her? What do I want for my kids? And what are we to give to these children? I believe that the solution and what I really want to be and give is in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, the very end. As we can see, very apparently, there is the manifested spirit of death everywhere. At 
the majority of workplaces over media, music, fashion, language, uh, families. Um, just the spirit of death that wants to kill everything and everyone. Lucifer, the maniac killer that knows that he's so dead and is just striving to kill everybody that he can before he gets the sin method. <laughs> but, however, and Jesus through his song of deliverance is ministering the sin method to us. Him just singing over us, rejoicing over you with singing. Just like happened to Tessa that night. It wasn't a song she sang. It was a song that Jesus sang over her. Um, so we're going to have some of those. But, this is a verse just I think about this spirit of death um, and not like the you know, lose your life to fiber that is available in God, but just the demonic death everywhere, killing everything and everybody, any means possible. This is what I want to be for my children. This is what I want my skin and blood to be for any evil that would come snatch a piece off or take a sip, would be this. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. This is also a beautiful Misty Edwards song from back in the day. Um, yeah, I know, literally, I, I can't either. Like, every time I hear this now, I will read it out of the city. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So it says two amazing verses after the wonderful book that the Song of Solomon has. There's a kid here named Solomon, isn't there? Solomon. 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 Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, we're praying this song of Solomon today, too. The husband, Jesus, speaking to us here. Listen. Take heed how you listen. Set me, Jesus, to us. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy, the word I think here is chesed. I love saying that word just to clear my throat occasionally. But it, it, it's my favorite Hebrew word. It is entire, lavish, covenant, unbreaking loyalty, faithfulness, and adoration forever. That in English made it to the word jealousy. I mean, like, amen. This is middle school girl jealous. Let me check your Snapchat. This is you are mine, and you will not belong to anyone else but me ever again. Period. And if you do, I'm coming to get you back. I pray that for Wilmore, Kentucky. That is what Jesus has said about you. I've set you as a seal upon my arm. I'm wearing a Wilmore, Kentucky arm sleeve. And there's been a death, and there's been a grave over Wilmore, Kentucky, but there is a love that's stronger than death. And there is jealousy that is as relentless. That's, instead of cruel here, the word is really like, Passionate, ruthless, relentless as the grave. 
And may we have that love and that jealousy that we've been so marinated in it from Jesus. Son. You have baptized me in that love, in your unconditional love. You have chased me down in your jealousy for me as I've run into everyone else's arms but you. And you won't, you won't let me run away. That may we be so marinated in that that as we're feeding these eagles from our skin and blood. And this may even literally all of this stuff about death. This may be about stuff that's going to happen in the earth after all of us have physically died. And talk about uh, uh, just doing it not yourself. Uh, it's like planting an oak tree. But I'm going to plant it like in, I'm just planting an oak tree. But it's like the tallest you may be in my lifetime might be that high. You know? A shrub. But for my grandkids, you'll be a 400 foot oak tree. You know? In the same way, we have that dude. Like, who cares if, if I will ever see the fruit of this? Who cares if I will ever have uh, more pleasant emotion through this? That why don't we just plant and water and love the shrub? That's going to be for maybe even our grandkids way after our death. Uh, the shade for them, the provision for them. And that's exactly what Jesus had. I mean, he, he earthly saw barely any of the, the fullness of his work. Obviously, he saw so many people healed and delivered and I mean, his disciples, but in terms of the like widespread Jesus movement that happened, he wasn't even earthly here to see it. Just like for so much of, of maybe what's going to happen, I mean, he may come back soon. But I guess that's relative anyway, because he's been coming back soon for a minute now. But however, what? why don't we just get over ourselves entirely and be like, even if this is for people I will never meet, relatives that I have that will be born after my death. I mean, just, you know, we can do all that like, like the Thessalonians did, but they all quit their jobs. And like, well, Jesus is coming back next week, so why am I going to go to work and all that stuff? But let's not get that way. Paul strongly rebuked that. But if that was where we were really coming from, of, of this part of I'm planting this and I'm doing this and I literally don't even care if I see the fruit. It's not about me having the fruit. It's about Jesus having the fruit and the Lord. That it's going to change the earth. It's going to be Acts 2.0. Um, and funny enough, like Acts. It's going to be Acts 2.0. Just as Jesus was the great Acts that was being laid to the root that John the Baptist prophesied. That May we just call that forth in these eagles, these children that are going to be the manifested sons of God. They're going to live like they are really God's children. Um, and this is the reason the Son of God is manifested, that He will be manifested out of our little eagle children, is to destroy the works of the devil. To get out the acts, like the Patriot Acts, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. Like, that they're going to break out that axe and lay it to the sting root of the grave and death. That it says that um, in Isaiah that um, death will be swallowed up. That is exactly what they will do. They're going to be those that swallow up death forever. Um, with 
this love and jealousy that far surpasses them. Just in the same measure where it says that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. But there is sin where we're not forgetting that or undermining it. There's just grace that's way bigger and stronger than that. And so we're not forgetting about death and the grave. We're just talking about love and jealousy that's way stronger than that. And then to verse 7, this is true about them. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown them. If a man would give it for love, all the wealth of his house would be utterly despised. Okay, yes, thank you, brother. So, and I love what I'm saying at the end, that if someone gave all of their house and all of their treasure and possession, that it wouldn't even be enough to purchase love with. So, this was just one of those Old Testament pictures that there was nothing about um, a financial thing to bring. There was nothing about a righteousness that you could bring your whole house and all of your wealth and it wouldn't be enough to purchase love for you. And his shirt. Is that him? His shirt. The Lion King. Amen. And that we, bro, we are like Mufasas that are going to die for you as a Simba. Everything that the light touches will belong to you. That we're just Mufasas, lions that are going before them that are going to die for the Simba generation to come. Everything that the light touches is our kingdom. I mean, amen. And no more snakes. That's a, and it, it's a king cobra. We're going to kill King Cobras together. Anyways, anyways, that is the notes. And now that Travis reminded me of it, um, I don't feel like I'm going to physically do this, although I really want to from the passion that I have. But I'll just not do that because I don't want to be distracted by anything. But I just have this insatiable urge to come up here and knock that tissue box um, and throw it against the wall. And then I just thought of the scripture in Revelation where it says that, um, I'm just going to read it very quickly, and I literally flipped right there. This is the land that we're going to experience more. This is the land that our little baby eagles will soar in from now on. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth that passed away. In other words, the first way of looking at heaven and the first way of looking at earth that passed away. There's a new way to look at it all. That they will see with their evil eyes. Also, there was no more sea. There was no more distance between God and people, which we're getting to. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepares a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with them, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is why I wanted to get that tissue box thrown against the wall and yell as I did. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, 
for the former things have passed. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. He knew that John was writing all down anyway. So why would he tell him to write what he already knew he was writing down? But he was like, You better get this point across that what I just said is faithful and true. And I believe all of that about verse 4, and I guess to a degree I'll close in prayer by praying in verse 4 for all of us, no matter what that looks like for this area spiritually, no matter what that looks for any of us, looks like for any of us individually, that Jesus of Nazareth, he is the great loud voice. He may have picked an angel's voice or, uh, as Satan that had already died's voice to say this, but th these, are, he, these are his words to us that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying and no more pain for the former things have passed. The old way of existing is gone. The new way of being a human, the new way of being a Christian, not that it was exactly all wrong before I mean, being a human, but to some degree, even though being a Christian, that that's over with now. There's no more sea. Heaven and earth are now the same thing, and it's called Jerusalem. And in that city, no more death, sorrow, pain, or crying. And Jesus, the, the greatest one ever, is the one that's thrown the tissue box against the wall. And even as the solution, throwing you off the temple, throwing you off the tabernacle. He's saying, my tabernacle, my temple is with you now forever. I am in you and you are in me. We will never be separated again. Everything about my thoughts, my salvation, my plans, my resources, my healing, my anointing, are like Paul said in another place in 1 Corinthians 3, like I quoted that chapter earlier, all things are yours and you are Christ. And Christ is God's. So that we belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to us. And then we both belong to God. And while we're full of God, we're inside of God. And it just then we all just disappear and it just becomes Jesus. And that, that is when he becomes all things. That all things are to him, through him, for him, and by him forever. And it will just be Jesus at the end with the billions and billions of us in paradise, wherever it is and whatever it looks like, that we'll all just be the light. We will all be in the light and we will all be the light together. We will see him as he really is and be just like him there. So anyways, that's what I wanted to share tonight. The beauty of us eating more of Jesus. Because obviously in here, most of us, if not everybody in here is already born again and not just like, well, I mean, you got your heaven ticket, but like really in him, seriously. Like, I get that that's the point, that there's so much more for us to know, but there's so much more to experience. And, and I don't even mean like a spiritual experience, I mean just to exist with him, to learn from him. But also, we are being marinated to be this state, this piece of meat for the world to eat, but not only that, but for the little children specifically. So that's what I want to share. What do you feel? Just pray and close it out. Did you have anything else? Okay. Yes, yeah, so I was praying for the track. Music, singing, sing nothing.
same method, Jesus, same, give the S-I-N-G to the bullying spirit on Travis Fan right now. Hit it right in the stomach. Step on its instep. The way it's been trying to step in. Step on its instep. Punch it right in the nose and embarrass it in front of everybody. Colossians 2 says that you made open shame of every principality and power. You pulled its pants down and pointed at it and laughed at it. You made an open, disgraceful shame of all of it. And the Lord, you're going to kick it in the groin. You're going to ruin it with the most excruciating pain. And it's just going to bring so much frustration. So Jesus, your Zephaniah 317 method, your song of deliverance method, over Travis, Harris, and Zion's fan in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray, God, that you would blow the wind of Christ Jesus and blow the spirit of sleep and slumber and the bullying spirit out of this area. The spirit that has been bullying our kids, the spirit that has been bullying the kids of God, putting it in a chokehold where it can't breathe and it can't grow, we pray for it to be totally loose by your song of deliverance, Jesus. The way that you love us, the way that you are jealous for us, and that many waters have come, but many, many waters cannot quench this love that you've had for the church, the faithfulness that you've had even in our unfaithfulness, Lord. And we come and learn from you. Jesus, all of these qualities about you, we cannot become them ourselves. Help all of us, Jesus, to stop trying to become Jesus and let Jesus be him in us and through us. And God, we bless you. And by that, we enjoy what you gave us. We enjoy the life of being set free. We enjoy the life of getting to know you face to face. And we worship you. Thank you that you said that death, sorrow, pain, and crime were no more because of you coming to live with us. So we just worship you and, and we just call forth the eagles like the, the, the hobbit and the legend of the, oh, what is it? Five armies, the battle of the five armies. Lord, these five armies, the five offices of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, that these five armies have been awesome, but they've not been enough. And that what ended that in the, the third Hobbit movie was, oh, the eagles. That's what we call forth. That even we love the fivefold ministry. We love how you're ministering to us and through us in those capacities. But it's not enough to win this battle against the orcs, the demons. That we need the, oh, the eagles to come. So we just call forth even little kids to be walking in the anointing and full of God, knowing you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So appreciate John Edward. Um, I appreciate you guys' patience. You broke records tonight. I think in all of our years, that was the longest message dwelling has ever had. But I make no apologies. Um, it wasn't just a teaching tonight. There was something powerful that's released. I may share more about that. Um, but he did a beautiful thing for us tonight. He washed our feet with that message. Um, <clears throat> so many things in there were accurate and true. It wasn't about accuracy tonight. It was about anointing and power. Um, something happened. And, and I, I can talk more about that possibly later. Um, 
love all you guys. If uh, people would help uh, clean up kids' stuff and help uh, clean up music stuff, that would be awesome. Uh, I'm gonna keep my distance. I don't think that I have anything contagious. Um, and it's all covered by the blood of Jesus anyway. I am healed, but sometimes it takes a little while for the manifestation. So I'll keep my distance. I don't need to keep my distance from him because we're going to be hanging for the next four or five days. You all have an awesome night. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you, Colbert, for leading us. Um, blessings.